0: Be the end. In the dream time, uh, that lyric by Bob Dylan was inspired by some work that I did this week with somebody who, or choosing that lyric, uh, I found it for them after they had an experience with me where they were like, I just felt like I had to go through these things over and over again, and I was trying to figure out how to get out of them. Um, which I found that lyric for him, which made him laugh. Um, so I'm going to share that laugh with my audience, and I'm going to talk about today's podcast. Today's podcast is going to be called Awakening from the Dream, and it's partly related to the experience I had this past week working. It partly has to do with something that I've been working on in my own dream life that has a philosophical foundation in Tibetan dream yoga and has a really interesting perspective on our consciousness and the way that we experience both our waking life and our dream life and the actual fluid nature of both of those things. So what I'm going to talk about a little bit and it applies to dreaming And it applies to psychedelics, which happen in the same part of the brain and are related experiences. Um, And both experiences can move from the states in which they occur, which is dreaming or in a psychedelic state into our normal life, into our waking life more accurately. Because one of the things that has been discovered about neuroplasticity is whatever your consciousness does. Your brain uh, creates new matter to accommodate that experience. So, if you learn to play an instrument, you're gonna say you're learning to play guitar. You're gonna you're gonna develop matter in your brain from that activity. But another thing that's remarkable about neurogenesis is dreaming creates neurogenesis. The experience of dreaming creates neurogenesis. So if you have repetitive dreams or dream of certain places or certain people, that is creating matter in your brain. And more likely than not, that's being created for a reason. So You know, one of the things that I'm going to assume in this discussion is that people do have dream recall. And I know for me, I do have a lot of dream recall. And I've spoken about this in podcasts before that I've recorded 8000 dreams over the past almost 30 years now. I think it's been 30 years. And one of the things that has interested me personally and professionally Over this time is, you know, being able to recall dreams like this has been phenomenal because I'm able to write them down and put them in computers. And if I dream about somebody last night, somebody I knew in elementary school, I can go into the computer and find and see if I've dreamed about them before. And sometimes I'll have a dream about a person or a place that seems unique. And I'll realize that over the past 30 years, I've dreamed about that person or place 20 or 25 times without recalling it because I just wrote it down or typed it in when I had it and that the evolution of the relationship with that person or that place demonstrates an evolution in my own life in relationship to how that person or place occurs in the dream now one of the things that that I've struggled with because I've been I've known about this for 30 years as well and been interested in it and i'll get to the point of all this is 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 a thing called lucid dreaming or the tibetan in tibetan buddhism they they use lucid dreaming but they call it dream yoga and basically what that is it's becoming aware in the dream that you're dreaming and in the west there's authors like Stephen LaBerge, and I think I, I, you know, there's people, a lot of people who have written lucid dreaming books where they say, well, if you become lucid in your dreams, it serves all these purposes, which is you can learn new skills, you can deal with nightmares, you can confront figures that otherwise might be frightening, you can practice something that you want to be good at, like talking in front of people if it makes you nervous, stuff like that. And that is a little bit of a materialistic understanding of the value of lucid dreaming. And, and I'll get to how this applies to everybody in this, in this discussion, so stick with me. But in, Tibet, in, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, what they believe is that the material of your dreams is all your consciousness. That every aspect of a dream is matter of your consciousness and that it's generated from the source of all consciousness and that in awakening to that you're dreaming you can interact with that consciousness and you can develop a relationship with that consciousness that is more reflective of your awareness that you are that consciousness. So if you're dreaming you're in New York City, you're New York City. You're not subject to New York City. You're the intelligence that creates that circumstance for you to awaken in. And one of the things that's interesting about seeing dreams this way is they become very pliable. So if you find yourself in New York City and you think, Ooh, this is a dream. I can do whatever I like. I am just the observer of this manifesting intelligence in my dream. And I am also the material of the dream. That's me as well. I'm not just viewing it through my ego, but the totality of the dream is made up of my consciousness. I can do anything with that consciousness. So if I'm in New York City, I could say, well, I actually want to be at the top of Mount Everest. I want to see what that's like. I want to see how that feels. Because New York City I'm familiar with, and it's some place that I enjoy or don't enjoy. But let's see what else I can do. Let's see what kind of super conscious experiences I can create, knowing that I am also the consciousness that creates the dream. And... The reason that the uh, Tibetan Buddhists think that this is an important step in your kind of consciousness develop in your meditative practice is because the same thing is happening while you're awake. The same notion that there is an observer and an observed and a me that finds myself in circumstances is kind of being asleep to the origin of your consciousness, to the origin of your experience. And I can talk about this when sometimes when I'm working with people in astrology. Um, there is an enormous amount of information in their astrological chart about their upbringing, about their parents, about their environment about what they like about themselves about what they don't about what they strive to accomplish about what's easy for them and about what's hard and one of the things that i always try and explain to them is not only is nobody caused by their parents and their environment nobody is a result of it so i'm not a certain way because my mother or father treated me a certain way in fact, what would be the case in both Tibetan Buddhism or, or quantum physics or even the way uh, I understand astrology is that your perception of those people, of those experiences, is really information about yourself. It's really information about your predilections and about your tendency coming into this life to view things a certain way to like certain things and to dislike others and to feel strong in certain circumstances and to feel weak in others and that life like this opportunity that presents itself in dreams is this opportunity to awaken to your tendencies And to recognize the results of your tendencies and perception and your reaction to your perceptions and then change and transform. So one of the things that becoming aware of dreaming while you dream is that you can say, well, usually this frightens me or usually I like being in New York or usually I don't like being in New York or... Usually when I interact with my dead parent, this is what happens. Or usually when, I, when I'm presented with a shark and I'm in the ocean, and I feel afraid. But in the notion of becoming lucid and the notion of dream yoga, that shark is you. That parent is you. The recall of that parent is you. The reaction that you have to that shark is you. All of these things are you. None of them are objects experienced by your subject. But this, what the point is of these things is that the subject and the object become one. And the empowering experience of that is not being reactive, is being aware that your environment your circumstances, your relationships are something that you create and you create them a certain way because you have that tendency and that you can make choices. Now, one of the, one of the things that happened, uh, since I made my last podcast is I was working with a client and he said the most interesting thing. He said, At a certain point, I didn't realize if I was dreaming or if I was dead. And I thought about talking to me, to you about it, meaning me to explain the circumstances that he found himself in. And then at a certain point, he just decided who cares I am where I am. And one of the opportunities that dreaming you know poses besides relating to our daily life besides giving us an opportunity to develop abilities in our waking life that we don't yet have and to have insights in our waking life that we don't yet have and to awaken to the fact that there isn't really a subject-object uh, separation. And that's also what uh, quantum physics says. It says there is no perceiver. That is a, an illusion created by the state of your ego, the state of perception, but that, that there is no divide between the subject and the object. And realizing that the circumstances that you find yourself in, the places that you find yourself in, the relationships you find yourself in, the struggles that you find yourself in, the gifts you find that you have, the blessings in your life are all a reflection of something in your innate nature. And one of the great insights about uh, that was that was expressed in this person's experience, when they said, am I dreaming? Am I dead? Oh, who cares? Is all of those things are related. Dreaming, dying, living. There's all an origination in consciousness. And it's not as personal as it seems. It's not as encapsulated in our identity that we've formed from the moment we were born until this moment. And it's not entirely shaped by our historical and biographical experiences, that our historical and biographical experiences reflect uh, tendencies in our perceptions. And then as a feedback system, they let us know what those tendencies are. And in those tendencies, where they're restrictive, in those tendencies where they're uncomfortable, in those tendencies where they're limiting, is where the opportunities for transformation happen, and it's where they live. Um, I once worked with a client, and I think I maybe told this story before, where um, at his father's um, at his father's deathbed, he felt it was necessary to read him a letter that was basically about how disappointed he'd been with him as a father. He felt that moved. he felt that passionate about it. And then through working with me, he realized that everything that had happened with his father was necessary to make him be the successful, compassionate, um, philanthropic, caring person that he was. And it totally flipped his ego's understanding of the circumstances of his upbringing. And one of the things we all have the possibility for, which is called metanoia, which is a great word. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, It's a word that Jung used often, which is a transformation of consciousness, which is where the conflicts that are in our consciousness that cause us discomfort, that have opposition in it. I'm happy, but I get really sad. I can be very kind, but I can be very mean. Um, I can be very loving, but I can be cold. All those things that have opposition and reasons to have opposition. There's a tension in them that is supposed to vibrate um, at 180 degrees, a polarization until it pops into something else until it becomes something that was intended to be understood by the polarity and when that happens those difficulties are not difficulties anymore just like for his whole life that man had perceived his father's shortcomings as something that had been detrimental to him in a moment he was able to see that he wasn't able to get with his from his father those things that he wished to get to develop in himself. So, these things that I'm speaking about, these opportunities for for metanoia, these opportunity to awaken from the dream, is that what we encounter in our dreams are aspects of our consciousness of which we are not conscious, which are not part of our identity. It's, it's, it's like, so if somebody's mean or someone's scary or someone's frightening or someone's angry or someone's sad or someone's depressed or there's shit somewhere in our environment, that is something in us of which we are not aware that the consciousness that we originate from thinks we need to know about. It thinks we need to become aware of what that thing is, even though up to this moment in time, we've kind of been in denial about being that way. So it's like when you meet a bum, when you meet a violent person, when you meet Donald Trump, and you think, I'm not like that. Well, consciousness, which is, is, you know, if you really want to get into it, it's almost like the notion of a dreaming universe. That the universe, the physical universe in which we encounter each other, in which we live, in which we are organic beings, is sort of like a dream that the consciousness that originates in everything has. And each one of us is a character in that dream. How we are. Each one of us is that consciousness trying to work out some conflict become something else. That's why human beings exist. So when you have a dream and you go, oh, there's a shark in my dream, or there's a orca in my dream, or there's a fireman in my dream, or there's a policeman in my dream, or there's a mugger in my dream. The best thing to do is to become that thing, to see what it is that you are being offered, to understand about yourself. And if you can do that while you are dreaming, if you can become that thing, if you can ask that thing why it's there, what it has for you, why you need to know about it, the surprise of the answers will astound you. I've done this in dreams, and you can also do it after having a dream. So I'm sort of mixing dream techniques here because Jung, because becoming awake becoming lucid is one thing where you can change anything in the dream and recognizing that the whole dream originates in your consciousness but there's something that Jung created called um active imagination which is if you have if you can recall a dream you can dream it forward you can say oh i was in this dream and i was in an alley and I was about to have a fight, but I got so scared, my heart was pounding. And I woke up. You can then wake up and be like, hmm, what would that fight have been like? How do I imagine that fight? What do I imagine that person fought like? What weapons did they have? How did I react to it? Did I subdue them? Did they kill me? Did I kill them? What did, what did, they, what did I want to know? And, and if I did subdue them, why don't I interrogate them and find out why they're trying to mug me? What is it about me that they don't like or they makes me seem like a victim or makes me seem like I could be aggressed upon and it would be okay? And there's this whole notion of the aliveness of symbols in dreams that, that each symbol is alive. It's a living thing like a tree or a plant or an animal. And once it exists in consciousness, once it emerges in your consciousness, it is a timeless symbol of something about your consciousness. And you can always refer to it. You can refer to a horse that, that you had a dream about seven years ago, and you can be in intercourse with the horse. You can ask the horse, what part of you is this? Why did it come? What does it want you to know? What part of you is like this horse? And so in, in dancing around these, these dream techniques, whether they be Eastern with Tibetan Buddhism or Western with lucidity or, or Western with uh, depth psychology, the thing that becomes apparent is that everything that emerges in your consciousness does so to inform you about things about yourself that you are not presently aware or integrating. So if you know that, you know, I think last night I dreamt that, that a juvenile great white shark was swimming underneath me while I was surfing, which I don't usually do. You know, it was a new activity. And um, I woke up, I, I didn't become lucid in it. But I really thought about like, well, juvenile great white sharks don't really, they don't really attack mammals until they get to be about 10 feet. And this thing was about seven feet. And surfing is a new activity. It's not something I've done a lot. So what new activities am I involved in that I feel threatened that aren't necessary for me to feel threatened in ultimately, but I perceive threat because of some un, some old conditioned state, which is Sharks are scary, but being in the water with a shark that doesn't eat mammals isn't scary. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And so that's a way you can work with a dream, you know, is, is what is this dream trying to tell me that I don't already know? And you can work with that lucidly or you can work with that in, in recall in the morning, but also you can view your life in that very same context. Just like my client who said, am I dreaming? Am I dead? Ah, who cares? The same process that's going on in your dream life that is trying to make you aware of the things of which you are unconscious is going on in your life as well. That same feedback system is going on constantly in the places where you struggle, in the places where you um, have difficulty, in the places where you don't understand why things happen to you, that is an unprocessed, unknown part of yourself that causes that difficulty. And it is well, well worth exploring what it's trying to teach you. And one of the things that's amazing about viewing your experience this way, whether it's dreaming or waking, is recognizing that it is all designed to inform you about you, about things which you presently do not understand about yourself, which it is in your greatest benefit to understand about yourself. Now, part of the problem with depression is when people lose this ability to be neutrified by their unconscious. They lose their ability to go, oh, what's happening? It's talking to me. What's it saying? What does it want me to do? Everything just becomes flat and there's no new information. But every single one of us can present ourselves with the understanding that life is invested in informing you about new ways and new understandings you can have about you that are beneficial to yourself and other people. That is the challenge of consciousness that each one of us has. And when we incorporate these understandings, when we understand these new things, and we learn new ways, it is always beneficial to other people. Our old ways and our habits and our conditioned ways of perceiving ourselves limit us. They limit our engagement in the world. They limit our talents and they limit our abilities. So if we look at the ways that life is trying to get us to take a leap into an awareness of ourselves that we don't have, but that our life is designed to provide for us, whether it's dreaming, whether it's becoming lucid in dreams, whether it's our daily life speaking to us in a language that we wouldn't choose because nobody really enjoys the challenge of growth. But there is a dynamic and potent potential in each one of us all throughout our life. And all we have to do is look at the circumstances in ourselves that presently don't make sense, that presently are not to our benefit, that are restricting us and making us uncomfortable and making our realized potential unknown to us. That is where our potential to expand and open and realize more of ourselves and to be more and to be more helpful to others lies so whether it's psychedelics whether it's lucid dreaming whether it's regular dreaming with dream recall whether it's your life the consciousness the dreaming universe is in discourse with you all the time it's constantly giving you feedback about the vitality you could have, about the effectiveness you could have, about more strength, more insight, more intelligence, more capability, more compassion for yourself, more vitality in the sense of your origins, which are transpersonal, which are trans-historical, which are trans-biographical, and that are going to actually reset your understanding of your biography and your history so that you can be inspired by this intelligence that's talking to you all the time that has a huge investment in your well-being i was thinking the other day you know each one of us whether we recall them or not has about 500,000 dreams during their life each one of us spends about 30 years dreaming Think about the energy that is required for that to happen day after day, night after night, you know, night after night of dream and dream and dream and dream with some reason, some intelligence wanting you to know something that you presently are not understanding. And that is the amazing realization that comes from all this is that your entire life is a feedback system. For you realizing yourself as part of some larger whole and that you are, you are some larger whole other than just the fragmented sense of your identity that you have from what you already know about yourself. That coming from the origins of this dreaming universe, it wants you to know about parts of yourself that have not yet been revealed in this lifetime that there is no proof of other than you understanding your conflicts or becoming conscious of your unconsciousness, becoming aware of why your consciousness needs to manifest dreams or circumstances that are challenging that don't seem to make sense to your present state of ego, because it wants your ego to take on something that it doesn't presently understand like an eyeball trying to see itself, but it is possible. And I've seen the enormous difference it makes for people when they have these realizations and then the enormous impact it has when they integrate these realizations into their life. And they say, I no longer am how I was because I now have this information. And now that I have this information, I can't really turn my back on it. I can't really say I only know so much about myself because I'm presenting, getting presented with new information that I can interact with and I can harness and I can yoke for new beginnings in my life. And that's happening 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And the only limitation that any of us has is our capacity to perceive that is our willingness to see that that's what's going on all the time around us and within us and in our circumstances that we otherwise may find unpleasant and challenging and uncomfortable and that we can embrace that experience and be... Get nutrition from it and comfort and ease in knowing that that's happening all the time and harness it all the time. There are no dull days. There are no dull moments because it's always happening. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope it made sense. And I look forward to speaking to you guys soon. You can check me out at www.goingquantum.org. And if you enjoy this podcast, it'd be great if you can leave a, uh, review on anchor, uh, anchors, the podcast platform that I use. And if you could leave, do I, wait, I'm not so sure about that. It's not anchor. It's, it's, uh, Apple podcasts. That's where you can leave the, that's where you can leave the, uh, reviews. Um, anyway, so thanks for listening and I look forward to speaking to you guys the next time I have something important to say. Bye.